Okay, first question. You mentioned that the Bible does not teach us how to perform or carry out the commandments. Um, that's why we need guidance from an Abba. Is that really the case? I feel like the Word of God is complete and lacking nothing. With that said, I'm not discounting the importance of guidance or discipleship. Yeah, I do think that's the case. Um, because to say that it's not the case doesn't mean that the Bible is lacking, right? It's simply to say that we have to know what the Bible is, what the point of the Bible is, um, and what the message of each person who's writing is writing. Um, and so their, their goal in writing the Gospels wasn't to tell people the steps to achieve, achieve it, right? The, the Gospels were written to tell us who is Jesus, what did he do, how did he fulfill the scripture, and, and that he is God, that he is the Messiah. So in not telling us how to live, they didn't do us a disservice, like they didn't do something wrong. Um, so it's not a negative thing to say that it's not there, it's not a criticism of the Bible, it's just factual, right? We don't know, for example, anything about Jesus' youth, right? We don't know anything about what he was like as a teenager. Right? Is this a fault on the fault of any of the gospel writers? It's, it's not. That was not their objective. That's not why they're, why they're writing. So we do need guidance or discipleship because that's what Christ himself did. Right? Is that what we can say, is that's clear from the Bible, is that he discipled people. Right? He could have just said, when I send you the Spirit, you're just going to know it all. Right? But he didn't. He chose 12 and he chose 70. He trained them. Um, and then he also, after his resurrection, continued to train, right? Because now he's like, now you get this, right? Now you weren't going to understand this, and now I can explain it. And those things aren't even written, but they are part of church life. Um, so they're not mutually exclus exclusive to say that, um, um, that we, it's not written how to perform, carry out, but that doesn't mean that it's not, um, that the word of God is, is incomplete. I can clarify more if I'm not answering that well. Um, how do you determine if someone is, is legitimately holy and sees demons versus mentally ill? Um, that requires a lot of discernment, actually. Like, it's not an easy thing to discern. Um, and that's why, hopefully, there's an experienced um, Abba. Like, I, I was mentioning, I think, outside, there's a, that old monk that I, I was referring to earlier. He's an exorcist. Um, and... One thing that impressed me about him one time was that they brought in a lady who was behaving as though she was um, uh, possessed. And one of the first things that Abuna said was, take her to a doctor, she's ill. Um, so like, whereas we were like, no, for sure, man, like, she's got to be, right? But like, he had that discernment because he has that gift. There's a charisma, right? So it's, it's, not always, it's not always easy. I mean, with mentally ill... Um, there are certain patterns, behaviors we see. When somebody is, uh, when something is more demonic, there tends to be things that happen that can only be explained in, in a demonic way, right? Where, I don't know, like there's a kid that was brought to the monastery that was six years old and illiterate that could not read or write Arabic but was speaking in fluent English, right? So like something's up there, right? So like there's things that are obvious when there's something that a person knows that they shouldn't know, right? If objects move or there's extreme evil that that makes us suspect that there's demonic um, but it requires somebody who's very skilled uh, number two you said that if someone makes us feel off this is a probable sign that they have something demonic about them how do you reconcile this feeling when it's about for example a monk um, I would qualify what I said 
with if I know my stuff, I might feel off because I can be mistaken, right? And how I feel, like to be fair. Um, but that doesn't mean that all monks are holy either, right? Some of the biggest heretics were priests, right? And, and that they're not exempt, right? They're not exempt from falling astray. So it doesn't matter to me whether it's a monk or not. We evaluate everything based on the gospel, right? And based on what we received as the tradition from the fathers of how to interpret those gospels, right? Those two together. So if I have a monk that's coming and telling me like, hey, dude, like, you know, if you just do this ritual and put these things in the fire, this is good. We learned in the monastery. No, like there's no, like, there's no source for that, right? So we have to still be discerning irrespective of who the person is. In fact, that's one of the reasons why the devil often appeared to monks as monks, right? Was to make them more comfortable of being like, here's somebody that you ought to trust, but it was still mixed with, with evil. Uh, you mentioned in an earlier talk that we need to make a decision if we love God or not. What if you are in a spiritual low or dryness and begin to doubt if you honestly love God? How can I address this? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, love is self-denial. Okay, if you want the most obvious um, definition of love is to deny myself for the sake of something or someone else. So I am showing love even if it's not the lovey-dovey kind of love, right? So for example, let's say some dude, we used this example last year at the, the GYP, let's say some, some guy that's been working crazy long shifts, all right? He's been at ER 15 hours a day, seven days, and he comes home, and he's just exhausted, and all he wants to do is pass out and sleep, okay? If his wife comes at him to go on and on about her day, and what her friends said, and, and what she did, right? She has every right to want to talk about her day. Like, I'm not criticizing the lady, but does the guy want to listen to this? Like, he doesn't, right? Is he interested even remotely? Probably not, okay? In that, in that state, okay? So, but if he just says, you know what, I'm not in the mood, but I'm going to listen, right, even though I'm not able to give my full attention, right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show her that I value that she wants to talk about her life too, right, that's an act of love, right, it wasn't swarming with butterflies and green pastures and, and like the Milky Way in the background, okay, but it was an act of love because the guy is tired and wants to sleep, but he was willing to listen because he cares, right, so when, when we show our love to God, it might not always be the lovey-dovey kind, and that's okay, right? By standing up and saying, Lord, I'm tired, but I'm going to pray, he understands that, right? There's a difference between the person who just makes a lifestyle out of not talking to his wife. Then we have a real issue, right? Because now it's not that he's tired, it's he's not interested, okay? But when it's an exception, it's okay. So I wouldn't be downcast or worried about whether I feel this because spiritual lows and drynesses are common, right? But we show love in consistency, right? Our, our love is shown by continuing to be in this thing, even though I might not have this, this crazy, emotional, overwhelming thing. And that's actually what we were talking about outside uh, Monica and I earlier and a whole group of us, right? Is that emotions are important, but they're not everything. and They're not, they're not helpful to use as our assessing point. Right? That if you don't feel the emotions of love, that doesn't mean that you don't have love. Right? Is that there's something beyond emotions. And we are being a little bit culturalized right now to really overly emphasize them. Right? And so we tend to think that if we don't have them, that we're not progressing. And that is not the case. Right? So we need to be a little bit more um, objective about it and not to worry if you're not feeling that. 
Um, but the decision, I think, that's greater than whether or not you love God is whether there is a God. Because if there is one, then there's now, whether I like it or not, a sense of relationship. Um, <laughs> so if there is a God and he made me, who is he? Why did he make me? What does he want from me? And to determine the relationship uh, between the two of you. And that, that embarkment, embarkment on the relationship is what will help you to acquire love, right? Nobody meets somebody in the mall and says, oh my gosh, I love that person, right? You only, you discover the person first. You identify who they are. You develop a concept of who are you and who am I. When you know who are you and who am I, then you started a relationship. And then in that relationship, you spend time together, you learn about one another, you share experiences, and you grow in love. So I'm not expecting that a person who makes a decision about God realizes in a day that they're madly in love. That would be very strange. You're lucky if you got that. I didn't. But if you did, I'll power to you. But the norm actually is the opposite, is to grow in that love. Does that answer that? Does anyone have comments on that one? Um, does God judge us based off a curve? Um, <laughs> our generation isn't what it was a, hu a hundred years ago. Does God take that into consideration? Absolutely, He does. And yes, He does mark on a curve. Because there's actually a couple of monastic stories specifically about that, right? Where they talk about, um, they're talking about monks, but I think the same thing is true of the Christians, where there's a monk who had a vision of, of the future monks, okay? And they were in front of a great body of water, and um, the early monks, because they're like super powerful, right? They got these, they pray and they get these wings and they just cross the water like crazy. And you've got these newer generation monks like us today. And they're like struggling and praying like mad. And they're getting like this tiny wing and they're like trying and like they barely get across. Except that the reward from God was greater for that latter monk than it was for the original monk. Right? Even St. Macarius said, there will come a time where to simply enter the building, the monastery, will be considered a greater work than all of the works that we have done in our generation. Right? Because they, they knew that the times that were coming is a faithless generation. Right? And there's um, even monks who spoke of the secular world and said, there will come a time I don't like to say this because people are like, oh good, I'm, I'm, this is our generation, I don't have to do anything. But for the sake of honesty, they said there will come a time where simply to believe will be considered like a greater work than, than what we have done. So I don't think we're there yet, we have to do something. What I would say is do what you know to do because that means you love. But if you try and say, well, since I'm judged easier, it's okay for me to do this, then you don't love, right? And so we have to hold ourselves no matter how God deals with us, we have to be honest in our relationship, on our end of the relationship, in spite of how God may judge us. So yes, there's a curve. How do you explain the root of warfare when what you want is natural, marriage or children? I don't know if I understand that one. Um, I'm not sure if I said something that was misunderstood. Because um, I don't think that marriage is a warfare um, I, didn't, I didn't ask this question, but I, did, I think what the person okay. made is, you said earlier that uh, our warfare comes from our desires. So what if our desires are actually inherently good, like wanting marriage and children? Ah, oh, excellent. Okay, yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. So I just honestly didn't understand it. No, what I mean is that what the devil is going to use to fight you is the things that you want, 
right? So I wasn't assessing whether that original thing was right or wrong, right? But just that the devil knows your desires and he'll work with, with that, right? So like wanting a marriage to me, I'm like, that's not a warfare. It's, it's very healthy, right? Like that's the norm. Monasticism is abnormal, right? Whereas, whereas marriage is, is quite natural, right? So that is like, that's not a warfare. That's excellent. Good for you. Just do it at the right time. Um, but what he could do, right, is say, well, how about you marry five, right? Like, since you love this so much, like, just to be arbitrary, right? Is he'll take something that you want or that you like, right? Something that might even be an okay thing. That's why he said the devil lies. The devil takes a good thing and manipulates it, right? So when the devil is using something for your warfare, there will always be an element of deception or lies in it or just some kind of change in the nature of it to make it um, uh, not holy. Why did Antony mention not leaving the place where uh, one lives easily as one of the three precepts of pleasing God? Um, because when you are jumpy, you don't grow, right? A person who, like think of the person who's jumping from job to job to job to job. They never excel, right? And, and, and even people are weary of them, right? They're like, you didn't stay in any place long enough. What's wrong with you? Right? So staying in a place is what allows you to actually grow and develop and to acquire experience, right? Because you go through all of your phases, right? So for example, um, in marriage, first year or two suck, okay? So many people outwardly in their first couple of years look so happy, right? When really they're miserable. Okay, and they're wondering, was this a big mistake? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be like negative Nancy. I mean, that's not true for everybody, but this is a common thing, right? So let's say that you're in that state. When you don't stick it out, you don't realize that this is just a normal phase, right? And so you jump ship so early because you think you're in a really bad place and this was such a mistake and I didn't realize one, two, three, or four, or five, and you have all of these, these problems. Right? And so, but sticking it through allows the test of time to make you stabilize, to make you realize what's right and wrong, to make you realize what you could benefit, to get the advice from others. So that's why I was saying a person who, who's always leaving going places is a person who's never growing. Um, and that's why it's like, Yanni, isbeth, right? Be stationary, be solid, be firm in where you are, and then you will find that you grow in the grace of, of God. Do you believe that expecting temptation will actually help us overcome it? Yes. Um, like the war analogy, right? If I expect at all times that I can be attacked, I'm going to be prepared. That doesn't mean I have to be negative about it, right? So yes, it is. Because the more that I understand my, 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 where I live, who my enemy is, what's being plotted, right? Then yes, because now I can plan, which allows me to become more cognizant of stuff, right? Like to me, because of where I have fallen in my life, right? Not where I have done well, but where I have fallen, when people say certain things to me, I'm like, that guy's headed for disaster, right? Like I can see this one coming, right? Or this guy's solid, this guy's going to make it far. Because when we expect it, when we know it, we, we, we definitely learn more, we're on guard. And when we're on guard, it means that you're always in preparation mode, Right? And you're in preparation mode because it's a right thing, not because it's a bad thing. So it means that I'm more vigilant. It means I'm going to do, like the army is here, no, I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna get, I'm not gonna get fat. I'm not gonna eat too much. I'm not gonna sleep too much. I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna make me not ready because I'm expecting at any given hour that I can be attacked. So when I live this way, yeah, I do think um, it'll help me overcome it. That, as we said earlier, with the grace of God, 
right? Not because of my efforts alone, but by the grace of God as well. Um, can you share with us some of St. Anthony's um, greatest miracles? All of his miracles are great. Um, <laughs> because he's the great uh, Abba Anthony. Um, I don't know that I have that many to, that I would share, um, but there's a few that I like, um, just to show, Amax not here, his compassion. Um, there's, I know of a person who was, um, he was Protestant in Egypt, and he converted to Orthodoxy. And in Egypt, there's Ta'asub Gamed, right? Like, there's a lot of fanaticism about switching sides and all that jazz. Um, so his family were ridiculing him, like, like monumentally ridiculing him. And he was very upset. He was very hurt. Um, and one day, they were eating dinner, and they went to pray grace before eating, and he did the sign of the cross, and so they, like, went to town with it. Um, and I'm sure they didn't mean it as badly as they did, but in his state, it was, it was bad. So he went into his room, he just got up, stormed off to his room, and just started bawling his eyes out. Um, and he's like, God, I can't handle this. He's like, so if you're not going to help me, like, I did this for you. I didn't do this because of any other motive. This was purely because I felt that this was true. So you better help me. And so St. Anthony just appears right next to him, gives him the biggest hug, um, and actually prayed a bay with him. So I'm like, lucky guy. Um, so that one was a nice story. There is also the story of um, those youth that I was making reference to yesterday. Um, <laughs> Mariam Gergis, for sure. Um, where they were, there's a group of like Sayak kids um, <laughs> that came to the monastery. Um, and they had no desire to go to the monastery, right? Like they were going. Um, because they had to. So they're on their way to another trip. So they came in and they told their servants, they're like, leave us alone. We're going to go up to the cave um, and you stay here. Like, we're going to be plenty fine. So um, they started going up and those of you who have been to the monastery, there's a place now where it has like a seating area and it's like, it's like it's in front of St. Paul the Simple is a little bit to the right. So it's halfway up the mountain. And there's a sheer cliff. There's now some, some safeguards there. And so they were sitting there and they're just playing around. They were singing songs. They were mocking absolutely everything. Right? They were like really disturbing the peace. And actually on their way up to the mountain, they passed by Ambelius' cell. Um, and he was like irritated because of how loud and obnoxious they were being in, in the monastery. So they were laughing and stuff. He didn't go out and he didn't say anything to them. So as they're playing around, one guy standing near the, the cliff, they're joking around, he takes a step back, and he starts falling backwards, which is like certain death. Um, and so suddenly they just see St. Anthony appear from behind him, pushing him um, forward uh, and standing him upright. But then, that's what I said, he just stood there and smiled at them, right? Like he was not like, like there was like, there was, <laughs> there was nothing. He just looked around and smiled at them really peacefully and, and vanished. Um, and so then they burst into tears. So they came down the mountain and they're bawling and they're screaming. And so Amelius comes running out of his cell. He's like, what is wrong with you? Um, and he was like, you guys were laughing obnoxiously and now you're crying. And so they told him what happened and he was like, okay, but he was smiling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> why are you...
why are you why are you crying um, then um, but he also has his disciplinary side there's another guy that that actually um, we thought he was going to be a monk but he didn't um, but he um, he was so obnoxious and he was coming to the monastery and he was there with his friend and they're going up the cave and he was just being an inappropriate word um, so they're walking up and he's just mocking everything and so like the guy's like like doing what we used to do which is like tamgid which is apparently not cool anymore and so up the stairs he was doing that in the cave and the guy's just laughing at like everything like that he says and so um, suddenly as the guy is praying in the cave <laughs> the other guy faints um, <laughs> and he finds him on the floor so and they helped him come down um, and he won't speak, like the whole way down, he just, he's refusing to speak. And so they take him into the infirmary, um, and then um, Anthony appears to him again. So he appeared to him in the cave, and he, and he, and he passed out. Because St. Anthony looked at him, and he goes, I'm the guy you're making fun of. Um, but he said it gently, like he didn't say it angrily. Like he just goes, that's me, like I'm the one that you're laughing at. And so the guy like, <laughs> couldn't handle it. Um, and then he was right when he was in the infirmary. And so this guy, like collect yourself, but in a colloquial way, um, this guy is a very deeply religious person today. Like he's, he, we thought he was going to be a monk, um, but um, but he didn't. But Anthony is known. He's he's near to um, he's near to his kids, right? That's why we call him in the in the doxology the one who loves his children, right? The one who loves his disciples, because anyone that's his, he instructs very personally. Um, many people who were called to monasticism, specifically at his monastery, have had some personal thing with St. Anthony where he directly um, told them to come. And I can imagine anything more flattering than Anthony himself saying, come to my monastery, right, and, and be mine. There's a whole bunch of stories. We might be able to do some at the, at the bonfire if time permits. Um, and the last question, is Adnan innocent? I believe so. Um, <laughs> from cereal. Um, and then say it. But, um, <laughs> well, we pulled the plug for cereal. Um, <laughs> it was like, check out cereal. Are there any other uh, questions? Are there any other questions before we wrap up?